Hey, what's good, my amazing friends? This is Sarah Amazing Grace, and you have got the remedy. Hey, what's good, my friends? What's good? Here we are, another week into the end times. (laughs) Another week, another headline, another fear tactic, another scare tactic. It just seems like it, every week, it's, it's just, it's weighing, it's grating. Man, it tears you down and, and it makes you feel weak. I know it does to me. It all adds up. I, I mean, to me, it does. And I can only imagine you relate to this too. The people that send me messages every week, I know you can relate because you're out there and you're listening and you're relating to this. So to all of you that are, man, feeling weary, I hear you. I I, I feel that too. You know, I used to be an actress, you guys, and I I was in commercials and and, um, television stuff, but then also theater. I, I did a lot of theater. And ultimately, I had this dream to be on Broadway or on the big screen when someone would ask me, Oh, Sarah, you know, what do you want to do when you get older? And, you know, before I knew about Hollywood and what they were really like, I wanted to be an actress. Um, I, I loved it. I loved playing those roles. And I loved the thrill of the, you know, three, two, one, action, you know, kind of uh, thing. I mean, I, I loved that. It's like, okay, bing, and you're on. I, I, I loved that. That was until... um part of the way through my acting career, or at least coming up, I had some incidents that happened to me. And um, it shied me away from that whole community. And I ended up with, as we've talked about before, an anxiety disorder. And so uh, anxiety, fear equals stage fright, which equals not very fun anymore. When they say three, two, one action, then you get scared. And anyway, Fear is a thief, and um, that career wasn't the path that I was supposed to go on. But I tell you that because that's where this this thought came from for the show this week. My friend Lee and I were talking about being kind of downtrodden with just the constant pummeling of what's going on around us. I mean, every day it's something else. And then you have to wonder, is that something that I'm seeing? Is it real? Or is that being uh, a brainwashing technique? Or is that something they're trying to get me to virtue signal that? And then what are they doing behind our backs? And it's exhausting to to realize that the narrative that you're being sold isn't truth. And so having to, you know, find the truth in this whole thing, I know you feel it. I know I feel it. It's It's crazy. It's a crazy world. It's a mad world that we are living in. And so my friend Lee had thought of a, a song and it had a, a YouTube video with it. And so she sent it to me. And and um, as I was watching this video that she sent, the song was about dancing on the waves. And that lyric, it, the song was about faith. And, and it was about, you know, taking the step out in faith and walking on the water essentially Matthew chapter 14, talking about Peter specifically walking on the water and about dancing on the waves. And that got me thinking about action, that faith isn't just a feeling. Faith is actually an action that we have to put into play. It's something that's given to us, but it's also something that we learn along the way 
based on circumstances, which builds our faith into something bigger that then we can then put into action. If you've never read Matthew chapter 14, what I'm talking about is, so there's this story and you've probably heard, you know, Jesus feeds the 5,000 or maybe you have, maybe you haven't. If you haven't read the Bible or you weren't raised with Bible stories, I'm going to give you kind of a quick overview rundown. You can find this story in Matthew chapter 14 in any Bible. And and usually it's titled, Jesus Feeds the 5,000. And so we have this group of men, the disciples, that have been following their disciples of Jesus, who, you know, is the Son of God. He's the Messiah. And he is traveling around, and these men are traveling with Jesus, and they're learning from him. And ultimately, these men will then go out and tell the world who Jesus is. And, you know, from them, you know, 2000 plus years later, I know about Jesus. So anyway, during their time of faith building, these men had seen Jesus at a wedding turn water into wine. These men had seen Jesus heal the sick, uh, people that were gravely ill or completely paralyzed, becoming able to see again or able to walk. I mean, these are like the, they have literally witnessed with their eyes on a regular basis the impossible becoming possible with this man, okay? So it's not like they just came out of nowhere and they just met this guy so they don't believe him. No, they, they literally have seen it on a regular basis. They are walking with Jesus in a literal sense uh, on the earth. And so anyway, they come to a scenario where Jesus has been speaking to this immense crowd of people. And the people are hungry. And so the disciples say, hey, you know, let's send some out to get, you know, hey, you know, get food. No, no, we'll just send them out. They can, you know, they can go down to the food trucks and order for their own selves, basically. And Jesus is like, no, we're going to provide the food for them. And so, you know, there's a whole analogy that that happens in there, and I'm not going to get into it. But Jesus says, we're going to provide the food for them. And there's uh, you know, a, a young man in the crowd, and he had just has his lunch. He has five small loaves and two fish, and that's his food that he, you know, he packed his he packed his lunch. He wasn't going to eat at the food trucks. The the dude came prepared, and anyway, so he comes forward and he's like, "Well, I don't know how you're going to feed these thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people with you know the lunch that I packed for myself." Anyway, so Jesus gives thanks for this meal and breaks the bread and breaks apart the fish and puts the puts the fish into baskets and the bread and the disciples are just passing them out to these people and there's so much everyone ate to be full and there was 12 baskets left over and that's a whole other story in itself but um basically it was a miracle right before their eyes that it was this food that should have just been the lunch for this you know one young man fed what people refer to as Jesus feeding the 5000 which is impressive. I mean, 5,000 people, that's a lot. I mean, that's an entire stadium full of people. But when you actually read the passage, it's not Jesus feeds the 5,000. <laughs> it's Jesus feeds 5,000 men and all of their wives and all of their children. It was more like Jesus feeding probably 20,000 people or more. We're talking about full families. I mean, and back then, people had a lot of kids you know, a lot of kids, and some of them even had a lot of wives. It wasn't just like today where you have, you know, like, you know, 1.5 kids and one wife, or maybe they're single. It was the Bible says it was 5000 men plus their wives, plus their children. 
I mean, we're talking about tens of thousands of people and Jesus, I mean, that, and, and it's amazing, all of these people coming out to hear Jesus, of course. Anyway, so that's the story. Um, and so the disciples had just seen all of this happen, mind blown, and there were baskets of food left over. I mean, that's amazing, amazing. But then, then Jesus immediately, the Bible says, it says, he said to the disciples, get on this boat and go out. I'm going to head over here. I've got some stuff to take care of. You get on that boat without me and I'll kind of, I'll catch up to you guys later kind of uh, scenario. So imagine the disciples, I mean, these guys are like pumped. Oh my God, we just witnessed this and crazy, this miracle, incredible thing just happened. The impossible was just made possible before our eyes. These guys had to have been stoked, right? They get on this boat, they head out over the sea um, or the, the giant lake that they were on. They head out over it. And what happens is a storm kicks up and waves and wind and they're being tossed. And the chapter says that they were in trouble and they were getting scared. Of course. I mean, have you ever been on a boat in the middle of a huge body of water and you're about ready to be tossed? I mean, water is powerful. If you've ever, you know, been to the ocean, you'll know that even just the tiniest little shore break (laughs) will knock you down. Okay, so um, my dad lived in Hawaii, and um, I spent a huge amount of time in Hawaii. And uh, my family's also from Southern California. And so I'm very much an ocean person. As my dad used to say, he had salt water in his veins, and he passed that on to me. I love, love the ocean. I crave being at the ocean. And one time I was in Maui, I was at my favorite beach, which is called Kiavakapu on uh, Maui in, in Kihei. And uh, I'm on the beach and I'm wading out and I had tried. So when I swim, I don't like swimming with flippers, or I guess I just really never got used to it. I've tried several times and I always feel just so clumsy and it makes me feel less safe in the water. I mean, they're supposed to help propel you along and help give you more control. But for me, I feel like they make me feel clumsy. And so anyway, I I went out with these to try and kind of snorkel around and I didn't like them. And so I was trying to come back to the shore to take off the flippers to go back out in the water. And what happened was so my dad and Eric and the rest of the family, everybody was out in the water. And I was coming to the shore by myself to take off these flippers. So here I come and there happened to be a pretty strong shore break that day. And as I was flopping my flippers, clomp, 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 trying to get through out of the shore break, one of my flippers got stuck in the soft sand. And I tell you this because I'm not in very much water, you guys. I'm I'm on the shore, I'm on the sand. And the shore break comes and it's it's not like, you know, these are 6-foot waves that are happening. I mean, this is like, a, you know, up to my knees maybe or maybe to my thighs shore break that I'm in, but it was so powerful that it knocked me down and then another shore break came and I thought I was going to drown. And I was literally, I mean, you know, everyone's out there, they're having a good time. They have no idea. They think, oh, Sarah, you know, she's on the beach already. You know, she's fine. But my flipper was stuck in the stupid sand. And so it was a whole mess. I was, you know, help me. (laughs) I'm stuck. And, and, uh, you know, Eric comes over and my dad comes over and 
everyone comes over and is trying to help me get out. But what happened is, is that because the water's so powerful and it knocked me down and I couldn't get up and it took my bathing suit top off and there's some guy on the beach like, yeah, you know, and I'm like, dude, I was literally just drowning. And anyway, that all that to say is that water is so powerful that even something so little is like, oh my gosh, it can knock you down and take your top off even when you don't mean to, you know what I'm saying? Anyway, so water is powerful. So I can only imagine how scared these dudes were in their boat with these life-ending, probably uh, watercraft-destroying waves were happening. And these were these were fishermen. I mean, some of them were. Some of them were seasoned seamen, if you will. <laughs> and some of them, you know, weren't. Some of them, like, tax collectors and things like that. They were like, whoa, what's going on? But some of them, um, like Peter, were fishermen. And so they knew water, and they were they were in trouble. They knew that these waves were not a good thing. And so they had just witnessed and come off of this amazing thing, but Jesus wasn't with them, or at least so they thought, right? Jesus wasn't in the boat with them. So they're in their minds, I can only imagine they're like, dude, we're going to die out here. And Jesus, who's our only hope, is nowhere to be found. And, and you know, he doesn't even know what we're what, what's happening. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, that's not in the Bible. But you can just imagine what's going through these guys' heads, right? Like, oh my gosh, you know, we, we don't see Jesus. And so he can't save us. He's somewhere way far away. We are screwed. Enter Jesus. <laughs> Peter looks over the waves and sees Jesus. And Jesus is walking on the water towards them. Like, uh, did I just see what I thought that I saw? And in fact, they said, is that a ghost? <laughs> you know, when people say that there aren't any ghosts, the go- being a ghost or a ghost is actually mentioned in the Bible uh, a few places. So anyway, that argument put it to bed. <laughs> but they were like, is that a ghost? We, do we see a ghost? And like, if that's really you, Jesus, tell me to come out to meet you. Because Peter had some faith, right? He had enough faith to go, there's Jesus. I know with Jesus, anything is possible. We've just walked with this man through the impossible, made possible right before our eyes. Hey, if that's really you walking on the water, tell me to come out to you. So Jesus does. He says, Peter, come here. And so Peter steps out of the boat onto the water. I mean, that's faith. But then reality sits, sets in and Peter looks around and he's like, oh my gosh, I'm walking. I'm walking on water. This is totally going to swallow me up. And the minute that the fear creeps in, Peter starts to sink and drown. It wasn't like this slowly sinking. I'm sure he just plunged right into the water and he was drowning. And I, Jesus knew that Peter was going to be okay. This was all part of a learning moment for Peter. And the guys that are watching on the boat, I'm imagining that they're like, what the heck is Peter doing? He's out in the ocean, the, the, the sea that they're in the lake. He's out in this, this pl- place. Oh my gosh. What is he doing? Oh wait, Jesus is out there. Oh, now Peter's drowning. You know, I'm sure that these guys, what's going through their mind is like crazy. Anyway, so Peter put his faith into action and stepped out into the waves. But even after he put his faith into action, fear still crept in. And what happened is that when that fear crept in, Peter sank and started to drown. Can you relate to that? Because I know that I can. I know many times in my life, I've had faith. I've stepped out to do something. And then 
I get hit in the face with a wave and I freak out. (laughs) I mean, just because I have this show, no way, in no way am I not human or have fears or have doubts or have hard days or get depressed or have any normal human feelings. I'm not over here going, hey, you know, I, Sarah, I have all the answers. I don't. I don't have all the answers. I just know the one who does have all the answers. And that's what this show, The Remedy, is really all about, is to help you and to help me remember that despite the fear and the waves that hit us in the face, that there is an answer. And that answer is Jesus. And the answer is the word of God. And all Peter had to do was yell out, save me, Lord, save me. And it says Jesus reached down and picked him up. (laughs) And then Jesus was like, oh, Peter, you have such little faith. Why did you doubt me? That's what he said. Well, Lord, because the waves, because the the water was cold, because I don't know, are you a ghost, you know, because it doesn't make sense to trust you when everything is bananas all around me, when mainstream media is telling me not to trust you, when my neighbor next door thinks that I'm crazy because I don't believe what is being shown to us all around or your relative decides to have an argument with you because they're believing that the waves are going to make you sink, but you're believing what Jesus said. You could have all those arguments with God of why you don't believe or why it's hard to have faith. And he didn't say, you know, oh, Peter, you're an idiot. No, he just he, he just said, wow, Peter, what little faith you have. Why did you doubt me? And I can put my name there too. Like, Sarah, why did you doubt me? And every time that the Lord has reached down into the waves and pulled me out, that's what he's always said to me, Sarah, why did you doubt me? When they climb back in the boat, Matthew chapter 14, verse 32, it says that the wind stopped. Jesus is the one who calms the wind and the waves. He isn't just a man. He isn't just a prophet. He isn't just like any other. Jesus is like none other. He is the name above all names. He is the king of all kings, and he is the Lord of all lords, and he commands the wind and the waves to be quiet. Do you know what the disciples did next? In verse 33, it says that the disciples worshiped him saying that you really are the Son of God. Man, that blew my mind, you guys. Putting your faith into action, despite what seems like the reality around us is so hard. But Jesus was right. These guys had seen over and over, Sarah, Sarah, you've seen over and over the impossible become possible. Yet you still wonder Jesus, are you a ghost or are you real? I know beyond a shadow of a doubt now that Jesus is real and he is who he says he is. When I started writing this week's episode, you guys, it was actually to encourage you to have faith. It was to encourage you to step out on the waves when the Lord calls you. 
But in turn, you guys, this episode encouraged me to keep stepping out onto those waves when the Lord calls me, because He is the one who calms the waves. And not just that, He's the one who makes them hard enough that I can walk over them. He makes water come together like it's a floor that you can walk on. That's insane. It's not. It is the impossible become possible. And right now, you guys, we are riding through a huge storm all around the world. The whole world is in chaos. We are in this massive storm and the wind and the waves all around us. Sometimes it feels like it's going to capsize our boat. And we are all riding in that same storm. Me and you, we're in it together. And some of us, the storm looks a lot different in different places and in your life and in my life, but it is all around. We can feel the battle that is raging all around us, this spiritual battle that is turning everything up on its head. Everything that we once knew is no more. And we see a tug of war between this great awakening where people are opening their eyes. And as we've talked about before, awake, O sleeper, and let the light show you the path. And that is Jesus, right? He's going to open your eyes and fill you with the Holy Spirit so that you can have eyes to see what's really going on. But on the other side, there's this tug of war for this great reset of evil that is infiltrating and trying to infiltrate everywhere. But there's a spiritual battle that's that's taking place, and you're in it, and I'm in it, and we're all in it together. We're riding through that same storm, just in different ways, but it's the same storm nonetheless. And in that storm, you guys, in this storm, my friends, we need to take cover in the Word of God, and we need to put our faith into action. And when we do that, and we look to the, what the Bible says is the author and the finisher of our faith, the perfecter, that's Jesus. When we look to Jesus and we believe what He says and we believe who He says He is, then you guys, we can dance on those waves. It doesn't make any sense. But that's where faith comes into play. That's where we put our faith into action and we can dance on those waves. Oh, you guys, I'm so glad to be riding with you through this storm. Keep the faith. I love you guys. And until next week, peace. Hey, 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 thanks for tuning in. If you like what you've heard, don't forget to subscribe. New shows coming at you each week. If you have a question or a comment, send them to asksaragrace at gmail.com. Catch you on the flip side.